You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. Well, good morning, Gospel Hope, and those of you outside the Gospel Hope or kind of uh, observing the Gospel Hope family and worlds. Um, we uh, welcome you back to another episode of the Reconciling Hope Podcast. Uh, and as you know, this is our time where we try to take uh, Sunday's message and really distill it with some specific cultural and more local um, application. And so uh, we are still in our identity series. And if you're just tuning in, each year we take time to drill down on each one of our six major identities because we believe that the Bible makes it clear that there are certain things that should be happening in the life of those who say that they are in him. And so our identity series is where we as Gospel Hope Church, again, look at the word of God and see where the distinct um, identities that make up who we are, are being fleshed out. And we just love to kick the year off with that. And so uh, this Sunday, we had our second message uh, in that uh, identity series. And uh, last week, we talked about, um, the title was Alloy, because we talked about the unique strength of, of, of iron and how it comes and, 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 and how it's just, it's not naturally occurring in nature, but when you bring it together, it's super stronger than anything we have in nature. And then this week, we talked about um, uh, intertwined, intertwined. And you, you opened us, Ryan, with this unique illustration of the Redwood Forest, which I have been to, and I did not know that uh, the roots uh, uh, of the redwood trees intertwine. I, I did not know that. That's a fascinating uh, uh, factoid uh, to discover there. And, that, and those trees, man, they are massive. And some of them like have been growing since like the time of Christ. I mean, there's trees right, that are right. crazy old. I'm always fascinated when I see and hear stuff like that. So uh, fascinating illustration. Let's just dive right in. So intertwine, you're telling us how there is unique strength in being intertwined. And in that message, if you haven't had a chance to listen, there's kind of three basic R's that really help you appreciate what it means to be intertwined. And Ryan, you, you paddle me if I don't get these right, but they are rely on Christ's supply, remain with his strategy. And um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's, it's trust his results or, or something. Rest. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, rest. Rest in his results or rest in his success or, or, the outcomes that he produces in our lives. And so I want to kind of uh, just unpack those a little bit and get your interaction with one of your, one of your statements in that message. And I'm looking here in my notes because we're trying to create a note-taking culture at our church. Uh, and you've, you've challenged us to do that. And so here we are. And uh, I have written down here, it says um, uh, that it's the we is greater than the me. And you kind of gave us this, formula, if you will, you know, it's the we with the greater than sign from math uh, right there by the me. And um, so one of the first questions that I have for you is as you raise up the idea of uni unity versus individualism being stronger and better than us, now what would you say to the person that goes, well, hey, Christianity itself is one of the great contributors to disunity so to speak, because it wants people to be, you know, exclusive. You know, if unity is the highest doctrine of the day, why don't we just all dismiss with even our, with even our religious affiliations and just try to be this one big we 
as a nation mm-hmm. or as a whatever. What, what do you say to a person like that who takes your we versus me formula and applies it that way? Yeah, I, w- I would agree that sometimes, yeah, people can use um, doctrine or religion as as points to divide. And um, man, there's been some real abuses of that in the past where we kind of have the mentality, man, if you don't dot every I and cross every T just like I do, then you are not of us. You, you, you mm-hmm. have no part in us. And that, that's a real danger and a problem. On the other hand, when you look at unity in the Bible, it's always unity around something. Mm. Because if you're just unified for the sake of being unified, there's always going to be, it's always going to be superficial at best because Mm. you can't really get down to what really matters most to you. So even in our passage in Ephesians four, you know, back in the earlier verses there that I preached on last week, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one father, you know, this idea that we're united around this shared commitments to these core, core truths. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the passage that we talked about uh, this week, seven down through verse 16. And it talks about the idea of till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God. In other words, real Christian unity is built on something. You have mm-hmm. to have unity of something for real unity to last. And we all know this in relationships where, you know, there's an elephant in the room and you're not willing to talk about it. And therefore, the unity is not really deep. It's, it's just superficial. So I would argue, hey, yes, unity should be a high virtue, but unity itself can never be the ultimate virtue because unity for unity's sake is superficial at best. Gotcha. So just the, the idea of, yeah, yeah uni, unity can't be its own rally point because it doesn't, mm-hmm. it has to have some kind of tentacles or has to have, to have some mm-hmm. kind of penance is, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to unify around something, not just unity itself. I love that. Yeah. So you can't, can't make an idol of unity. Um, mm-hmm. It's always going to have something. And if you don't, I guess, if you don't give unity definition, it will inherit some kind of like Lent. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you'll find yourself uh, unified around some things that you may or may not agree with, or that may not be healthy yeah. if, because you've just gotten together for unity's sake. Um, yeah, and unity, unity is itself, in and of itself is not a virtue. Like, mm. stop and think about it. People have been unified around all the wrong things. Mm. You know, during World War II, there was a very unified Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. That's what enabled them to, you know, almost take over the world. Yeah. But their unity was based on error, on falsehood, on lies, on deceit, on evil. And mm-hmm. so unity in and of itself is not a virtue it's got to be unity around the right things yeah no no that's awesome that, that, that's good stuff um and so uh so, so kind of narrowing this conversation now we talked about it, unity broadly one of the uh we are better together or we are or the we is greater than the me one of the pieces that you talked about here um was how we must all embrace the mission of the church and you talked about how uh well i want to ask the question whether you talk about it or not i want to ask the question why do you think that that level of commitment is most of the time assumed to be the responsibility of professional christians it's not every everybody in the church doesn't need to be you know down with the mission just the guys who get paid to do this mm-hmm. why do you think there's a tendency one, do you think that's a true statement? And two, why do you think there's a tendency there toward that? Uh, yes, to the first 
question, like, is that a tendency? And then two, why, why, why does it happen? Man, there's like a hundred factors, but let me, let me just list a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, one is there's some history to it, you know, Mm -hmm. where, um, in the church, um, there has been seasons where, you know, the word of God has been removed from the common man in one sense. And it, it, it was thought that only the clergy, the ordained, uh, the professional could handle the scripture. So there's that doctrine that goes way back in church history. And that's a problem. Um, second, um, man, unfortunately, there was a pendulum swing at some point And the church was like, man, we've got to attract people. And it became so consumeristic that it was just a spectator's thing, like where where it's like, hey, come and consume our religious goods. We'll we'll tout out our experts and they can wow you with a dazzling sermon or have a great uh, music set. And you just sit there passively. Well, that's antithetical to a vision of biblical church life where every member is a minister in that sense. And so I think those are a couple of factors. I think a third factor is sometimes church leaders can have a sense of pride and territorialism where mm-hmm. They like the stage. They like the limelight. Um, and there's nothing wrong in and of itself with enjoying proclaiming God's word or leading God's people. Those are good things. But if you do it at the expense of sharing and empowering others, um, then you're not really fulfilling a biblical vision of ministry. Mm-hmm. So just kind of as we think about that, it's it's all of ours to embrace. Um so what happens when we all embrace the mission of the church? What, what should happen in our lives? Yeah, I mean, I think you see that play spelled out really plainly at the end. It says, hey, God gave the church these gifts um, for the equipping of the saints, believers, to do the work of the ministry until, and then it says, like, this is what's going to happen, kind of. There'll be mm-hmm. unity in the church. I think. I think we could see that plainly, like when we're all exercising our gifts and we're unified and being, when we feel useful, we can get behind that. There's a common mission there. So there's unity. Then it says maturity um, mm. till we all come to a, a perfect man to reflect the image of Christ as it were. So when everybody in the church is using their gifts, people are growing up in maturity. You know, I mean, even think about it from a mathematics standpoint, like Rod, you and I can only do so much ministry. We can only help people grow so much. But if we have, you know, all, you know, couple hundred Gospel Hope Church family members doing ministry, what's going to happen? Exponentially, people are going to be growing more and more. So maturity. And then it says, you know, where the body is building itself up in love. So there's a sense of dependency that we highlighted that more and more we are. uh, I, I think I said it this way in the message that we are becoming dependable and dependent dependable in that we're doing our job and others can count on us and dependent they're doing their job and they we know we can count on them so i think some of the fruits of all church all church members all believers embracing the mission of the church is unity of the faith and in the knowledge of god maturity in their walk with christ and dependency on christ and on one another and i can't help but think as you say those three or four of those i can't help but think about kind of the three major growth emphases that we press on, you know, at Gospel Hope Church, growing up in my relationship with the Lord or growing in the gospel, um, 
uh, growing inter interdependence or growing as a family, and then also growing in our relationship with the world or, or, or kind of our, our mission or emphasis. Mm -hmm. Was there any one of those three growth tenets or, or, or tendencies that was highest in your mind as you were preaching through this message? Yeah, I think that the main thing is um, that that inward aspect as we go through Ephesians 4, that, um, you know, Christ has equipped all of us. I mean, I mean, just stop and think. Jesus himself gave every believer the ability to engage in the mission of the church. And part of that is building up the body itself. So. This idea of interdependence, that intertwined aspect, that was definitely on my mind as I was thinking about that. My desire is to just really empower every believer to say, this Gospel Hope Church is not Rod and Ryan's church or their vision. This is my vision. This is my vision. I own it. I'm not just a uh, onlooker. Gotcha. Uh, curveball. Um, so, um, not even curveball, just yeah, curveball. Change up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, change up. Um, I shouldn't tip my pitches. I should just draw. Um, church planter, young church planter, new church planter, newer than us because we're only four years in the game. But somebody just getting started or about they're they're about to have lunch team meetings and they're thinking about church growth and man they're hyper focused on their marketing plan and the beautiful website um, being highly attractional in order to, to kind of catalyze those first groups of people that gather. Man, and but when you think about this, how the church really grows according to the Bible, right? Man, what advice would you have for them in trying to balance the the aesthetics and the visuals to create growth versus this stuff, uh, which is underneath the hood? What would you say to the person that either feels like they got to choose between the two? Yeah, it's it's a both and. Like we we want to. Um, we want to leverage the, um, the, the wise things that has happened in the world, like the business strategies and things like that. Like we would be foolish as a church just to ignore um, some of the good things that we've seen that businesses practices and best practice. But the main thing for us has got to remain the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So, mm -hmm. man, your, your strategy should be innovative and creative as long as it uh, is supported by upheld by undergirded with the strategy to equip the saints to do the work in the ministry so um i'm all for planning and and um marketing and all of that jazz those are good things as long as they remain subservient to the main thing which is equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and so for us as Gospel Hope, you know, our main thing is we want to be a church that displays the reconciling hope of the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. As I'm listening to this message, where would I have seen that? Well, I, I think the part that really stuck out to me, even as I was preaching it, um, was, was the idea that all the gifts that Christ gives to his church are blood-bought. Mm. Like, he died so that you and I and anybody who would trust in him could be engaged in his mission. And that's what really brings us unity. That's what brings us together. That's what reconciles us together. We have the same um, – we should be unified. We should be reconciled together because anybody who has trusted in Jesus has been equipped by Christ himself to participate in the same mission. 
um, were reconciled to be part of the church. Uh, you know, I think I said something like he told us to dig a hole and then passed out shovels. Like right. we've all got a shovel and we're all working on the same hole. So yeah. that should reconcile us together, no matter what our background is. So uh, that's such a powerful uh, recollection. It may not even be brand new, but if you think about it, how easy is it for groups of people to gather, bring their own shovels, talents, skills that they've developed from having gone to various schools, natural personality predilections, and come together and believe like, hey, well, the church is going to be successful because I am, you know, we, we just pulled together an all-star cast of crew members with their own individual skills, not necessarily yielding to the fact that, no, the abilities that we have are blood bought. And there is not just a ministry application to these gifts and skills that I feel like I brought to the table independent of relationship with Jesus, but no, I was purchased and I was supplied with a gift uh, per Jesus's work on the cross for this work. And it gives a whole new level of application to why I, why I join a local church. It isn't just to showcase some, the sharpness of my tool that I've been mm -hmm. owning for years, which is very meistic, right? If meism is a real word, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about versus understanding it. No, there's a unique deposit and enablement that is, is, that comes out of my faith in Christ for his work on the cross. If the book of Ephesians is true, which you and I hold, um, un, you know, unwaveringly that it is. So no, that's a, that's a very, that's a very, um, very salient point that I think even for me re-rescues my heart, especially considering how many years I spent being bivocational. And right. might at any given point view any of my quote unquote unique ministry skills as being really just kind of something that was owned, you know, in the halls of corporate America as opposed to purchased and distributed uh, mm -hmm. at the front. So uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's even growth. Uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very, again, that's got some punch to it. Uh, yep. I like that. And I think if I could actually, you know, even hearing you talk, tweak the analogy, I would say it's like God commanded us to build a building, mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful structure. And then he handed out a variety of tools mm. like, some got hammers, some got wrenches, some got pliers, some got a jackhammer, some got, you know, a cement mixer. So yeah. he handed out all these tools and said, okay, now build this building. And the, the point is, don't look at the tool, look at the result. Um, mm -hmm. look, at, look at the building, look at the structure that I died to make you able to build. Um, so, yeah. No, no great stuff. Well, hey, Gospel Hope, uh, I hope you'll continue with us as we uh, continue to push forward in our series on the identity. So we've uh, got another message coming up on that. And so, um, and uh, for those of you who may uh, follow us online, this is also prayer week for us. And so we've got a variety of different activities uh, for every day of the week uh, outlined. Uh, Monday night uh, will be a time spent with our intercessory prayer team. Uh, Tuesday night, we're going to have some virtual uh, small prayer gatherings for uh, the nations. Uh, Wednesday, uh, we've got another equip class spending time or growing together in our time uh, with the Lord, specifically looking at the area of prayer and some best practices. Uh, Thursday night, we've got another um, micro prayer gathering, again, all via uh, all available virtually. And then uh, Friday night, a little bit of fun, but still with prayer at the center. Uh, we're 
going to be uh, for those that would register. Uh, um, uh, we're we're going to be we'll have we're going to have a watch party uh, with the movie uh, around the movie War Room. So uh, just a week filled with emphasis on prayer, whether it's praying together, learning how to pray more effectively, or just kind of enjoying this beautiful adventure of communicating with God. So. Uh, exciting week and times at Gospel Hope Church and hope that all of you will join us for at least uh, some of those events that we have laid out on the menu. So, um, well, Ryan, thank you again for uh, your service through your unique shovel um, or cement maker, whichever, uh, <laughs> however that works. Uh, um, <laughs> so, um, but uh, Gospel Hope and all of you uh, who, who, uh, who kind of uh, follow the podcast, thank you again for watching. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.